Most of us have times in our life when money is a little bit tight. It's just a shorter amount of money than we've had in the past, and we're not sure what to do. We certainly must not ignore this and make some type of religious statement that God will take care of me. That would be the wrong way to go. Instead, we need to pray. First, we would ask God to show us what to do, to give us wisdom. James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. That's the starting point, prayer. You may have already done that. And you still may not know what to do. Are you aware of how to recognize the wisdom that comes from God? For in that prayer of James 1, 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. God might have already shown you what to do without your knowing it. How do we know, how do we recognize when God brings us an idea? One of the first things God ever taught me about this subject was, it's easy to be administered. The way of God is easy. It's not complex. It's not overwhelming. You don't go through brick walls. When an idea is from God, it's easy to be entreated. Matthew 11 also says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11. What all that means is, You may be following man, and you're going to have a very hard yoke if you're following the ideas of men. So Jesus is saying to us, come to me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. That may be one of the starting points for you. You may have taken on the way of the world, which is not easy. Not an easy yoke. Trying to get ahead. Trying to exalt yourself above other people. Trying to get promotions. Trying to get your children in the best schools. That can be terrible. It's much better if you will live a godly life in front of your children and let them see you living a godly life than it is to send them off to schools where they can learn to excel above other people. And especially where they are filled with rich people who seek after money, you're taking them in the wrong way. Instead, it would be much, much better if you restructure your life first by the Word of God, by through prayer, by the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit, If you are a believer in God, you have the Holy Spirit in you. The body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. 
and Jesus lives in us except we be reprobate, says Paul. If you've been turned over to a reprobate mind, then Jesus isn't living in you. But I don't see how you could be listening to this podcast if you've been turned over to a reprobate mind. You won't find this interesting, nor will you find it reasonable, what I'm going to say to you. For in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 we read, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Foolishness. It's foolishness to the natural man when I tell him, take one little scripture and follow that. And just keep following as long as it'll take you down a path. Then there'll be another scripture and you follow that. The natural man will not understand that the way to prosperity is meditating in the word of God day and night. That's what God tells us. Psalm 1 and Joshua 1, 8. That's the way to prosperity. If you will meditate in the word of God day and night. Basically, that will enable you to do the word of God. And the promise is that all that you do will prosper. I don't know that we have a whole lot of time left on this earth. I used to speak a great deal about following God into prosperity by following scripture that's brought to you by the Holy Spirit because it's a byproduct. Prosperity is a byproduct of following God. It's If you follow God, if you hear from the Holy Spirit and you do what you hear to do and you keep doing what you hear to do, there's just no way that you can keep from prospering. In Deuteronomy 28, God says he'll make you the head and not the tail. If you follow the way of the world, you are in debt. You have charged things to get things. You have a big mortgage on a house. You probably have a mortgage on a car. I am amazed when I watch the television news and they are showing the people in line at the free food giveaways. They were lined up in their cars. I've been watching this closely for the past seven months. And when they show this on television, as they often do, I have never seen anyone in an old car at the free giveaways. How can this be? Well, they have most likely gone in debt for the car and gone in debt for the house, and gone in debt for the clothing, and gone in debt for the food, and gone in debt for the computers that they need. And who knows what else they've gone in debt for. This is the way of the world. Buy now, pay later. It's basically been a way of the world since 1960. I remember in 1960 when the first mention of this new thing called a credit card was going to appear. We couldn't understand it. I read the article in the Dallas Morning News telling about it, and they were talking about how the time would come that we didn't use money as we knew it then. We would use plastic to pay for things. None of us knew what they were talking about. That was 1960. We had no idea 
what that article was referring to. Today, we charge everything. I do. Charge gasoline, I charge food, I charge everything. But I pay off my visa bill in full at the end of the month. There was a time when I was with MasterCard, Charge Card, and they contacted me and said they wanted me to put all of my debt on my MasterCard. Well, I didn't have any debt. And when I told them I didn't have any debt, they didn't want to give me a MasterCard. They want the interest. So I switched to Visa at that time. I don't live that way. That's the way of the world. And God showed me years ago, don't live that way. When the world goes down as it will, you'll go down with it. So one of the first things to do is examine your own life. How are you living? If you are living the way of this world, you're in for serious trouble. So first thing let's look at is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The instruction is, and be not conformed to this world. Don't get your patterns of thinking from this world. I know when I turn on the nightly news, I'm just either yelling at the TV set, that's not true, or I'm depressed, or all kinds of bad things happen to me. I still look at it from time to time, but it's not uplifting at all, and certainly not in the ways of God. It just frightens you. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We renew our mind two ways. One is by prayer. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Prayer is the starting point. What do you want me to do about this? We also renew our mind as we read the Word of God. Or as you hear godly exhortations which turn you from the way of the world to the way of God. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus had a promise that he gave us, which will make no sense at all to you unless you have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. How do you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Well, his righteousness is just finding out the will of God for your life, the way you want me to handle this, through prayer, through faith. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Through reading the Bible, especially paying attention to scriptures that are called to your mind by the Holy Spirit. 
Keep those scriptures before you day and night and let them lead you. The righteousness of God simply means the works that God has authored in our lives. There are many times our own ideas try to lead us. There are many times the devil will give us an idea, usually to coincide with the flesh, to get you to go in the way of the flesh. The way of the Spirit is given to us by the Holy Spirit, the way of God. We want to choose that way, for it will never fail. If you build your house on that word that you hear from God, you won't fall with this world. You won't fall with the storms of this life. There's a promise from Jesus that if you hear his word, what he speaks to you by the Spirit, and build your house on that, it will never fall. So that's the key. That's what you want to do, and that's where the restructuring is. So we start with the question of envy and strife. For if you are living in any form of envy or strife, you will have confusion and every evil work. That's in James chapter 3. Psalm 51 verse 10 Create in me, O Lord, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. There are many times that I have prayed that and still pray that. I don't pray it every day, but when I have a doubt about what I'm doing, I certainly pray it. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And if you're striving with anyone, if you're trying to get ahead of the other person, if you're arguing and debating and trying to figure it out, you have got to depart from that. That's deadly in following God. That is a deadly way of life. In the end, you will destroy yourself. So first, you need to get your heart clean. Be sure your heart's clean. That you're not envying anyone. You're not striving with anyone. One time, my cleaning woman came to me and said, She'd been watching me. She watched me very closely. She came to me and said, don't you ever try to keep up with the Joneses? And I said, what? And she said, don't you ever try to keep up with the Joneses? And I said, well, no. I drove a car that was 26 years old for years. Old car. It ran wonderfully. It even looked pretty good. But it was an old car. I really wasn't trying to impress anyone with the clothing I wore. I was just wearing them because you cover up your naked body and you have to wear clothing. This is not the way of the world. They lease their cars and get some expensive car to make think people think they're prosperous and they're not prosperous at all and they go out and charge expensive clothing to look right to other people this is the way of the world we must go in the way of God he said clean up the inside of the cup and platter 
lot of people clean up the outside and look good to other people, but inside they're full of wickedness and all types of hypocrisy. So we can't do that. We don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go that way. What we do is seek the will of God. And we try first, clean up your heart by prayer. Trust God. Prayer concerning show me what to do at this point in time, right now. Show me what to do right now. Before I made this uh, podcast, I was praying and I said to God, please show me what you want me to speak on a podcast. I'm always praying that. But I was sitting here praying that. I had made a podcast this morning based on what I thought God wanted me to speak. And I asked him again, and I heard clearly money. Speak about money. And that's why I'm making this podcast. See, not only do you have to follow the will of God, I have to follow the will of God, or rather we get to follow the will of God. I don't want to write anything except what God wants written because that's the only thing that will help you. And I heard to speak about money, so I'm making this podcast. If we look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, one of the first things Paul tells us is if someone thinks gain is a sign of godliness, get away from that person. I'm paraphrasing this. You might have to leave an entire church. I used to go to Word of Faith, and they certainly thought gain was a sign of godliness. And I was embarrassed to drive my old car at that time. Marilyn Hickey came to town to do a meeting, and I picked Marilyn up at the airport with all of her books and things. Well, I didn't go in my car because my car was, at that time, an old Pontiac, and it had a vinyl roof. And the car had to sit outside in the hot Texas sun because I didn't have a garage. I lived in a very inexpensive apartment building at that time. And the top of the vinyl had split, and it stood up on top of the car, and it looked awful. I looked like anything but prosperous. And I was embarrassed to pick up Marilyn in my car. And I knew it came from that doctrine at Word of Faith because I sure didn't look prosperous. And I knew they were speaking that gain was a sign of godliness. That when you became godly and had faith, you would have possessions. Well, that's a twisted form and a perverted form of doctrine. It is true that when you follow God, all these things will be added unto you, but you're not going out there trying to get all these things by quoting scripture. So it's a perversion. Instead of turning to God, you were really being taught to be your own God, find a scripture to claim, and you will get what you'll have what you believe. But find a scripture to justify your getting it. That's a form of perversion. If anyone thinks gain is to be a sign of godliness, you have to get away from that person or that group because that is not true. 
First Timothy chapter 6, verse 5, Paul says, Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that gain is a sign of godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich, or they that will to have money, he's saying, fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drowned men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. You may think you don't love money, but if you're in debt, I'll bet you think of money a lot. That desire to have more money is the root of all evil. If you take a job in order to get more money, you're in a trap. I see football players who make millions and millions of dollars per year. They can never get enough. It's, I get a, I've got to be respected. You've got to give me more money than the next player so that I'm respected. This is very evil. This is called emulation, which is a work of the flesh, Galatians chapter 5. And they ruin their lives. I've seen many football players ruin his life over money because he had to be respected above the other player. So he went to another team to get more money and the other team didn't have as good players around him and he deteriorated and became injured and ended his career. I've seen that over and over, that following after money. I've seen people who work at Walmart who hate their job, absolutely hate their job. You can tell they hate it. They do it for money. You say, but I've got to have money. Of course you do. So do I. But we don't get it that way. You turn to God in prayer and ask him what you can do. As a young woman, a teenager, Pam Paget took a job at Dairy Boy in her little community in Oklahoma. Her sister had worked at Dairy Boy and loved it. Pam took a job at Dairy Boy and hated it. But she wanted to get contact lenses, so she kept working there in a job she hated. She kept thinking, I just need to grit my teeth and stay with this job. She finally quit after a few weeks. And even then, she didn't get the contact lenses because her mother wouldn't let her buy them. But the damage it can do to you personally, and if, if you're an adult and have a family, you're ruining their life by this pursuit of money. The love of money is the root of all evil. If it's leading you, which it will be leading you if you are in debt, you, it will especially lead you at this point in time during this pandemic, this virus. 
you may be panicked. Well, sit down, pray, clean up your heart in the sight of God. Ask him to stabilize you. Start praying first. Here is a really, really good example of this, and it happened to Pam Paget as she, uh, after she graduated from college. She took a job as a secretary in a bank. She was very skilled in secretarial things. At first she liked the job, but after about two years she was bored with it. And she began praying, and she said, God, I'm really bored with this job. Please, could you help me find something that would be interesting to me? She was a secretary for an attorney at the bank. Somebody had given them two boxes of computers. This was 1985. Somebody had given them a couple of computers. They weren't using computers. They had taken one out of the box, but they didn't know how to use it. So her boss said to Pam, would you see if you can find any way that we could use this computer that would help us? And Pam asked him if she could go to the community college and take a computer course. And he thought that was a good idea. So they looked at the courses listed at the community college, and they chose one that was called Basics. When she got to the course, she found out this was not information about how to operate a computer. It was information about a computer programming situation called basic code writing for a computer. But she sat through the first session and she was fascinated with this subject of code writing for a computer. When she left that day, she said she was so excited because she said, I knew this was the answer from God of something that I really would like to do is code writing on a computer. And she drove away saying, this is it. This is it. And she began studying code writing. She became a computer programmer at FedEx and did that type of work for the next 20 years. This is the way God works with you. He leads you one step at a time. And we follow that thing where there's an interest. I've learned that. You just can't turn away from it when you're on fire, when there's an interest. I owned a small business in 1975, American Indian Arts Business in Dallas. A woman had seen my merchandise. She was pretty wealthy and she wanted to invest in my business. She had, so I let her do it. I let her, uh, she put $6,000 into it for me to buy merchandise. And the deal was that she could then buy the merchandise at my cost. And I could use her money to help buy more merchandise. Then I was born again. And I saw that scripture in Romans where it says, Oh, no man, anything. I felt strongly God was showing me get out of debt. And don't be yoked to an unbeliever. And as far as I know, this woman was an unbeliever. So I wanted to get free from this $6,000 debt. I didn't know how I could do it. I began praying. That was my goal. We 
sold mostly jewelry in my business, some pottery, but mostly jewelry. That's where we earned our money. I went on a buying trip and I saw an, a Navajo rug that I was so attracted to. But we didn't sell Navajo rugs. And I didn't know anything about Navajo rugs. I knew quite a lot about turquoise jewelry. But that rug interested me so much, I just couldn't walk away from it. It would cost me $500 to buy it. I just kept going back to it and looking at it over and over. I finally bought it. I took it down to Albuquerque and found a rug appraiser, and it happened I found the most highly skilled rug appraiser in the Navajo world at that time. She appraised, she looked at the rug, and she said, Joan, you've really lucked out on this rug. Of course, I'd prayed, but she, her word was lucked out. She said, most of these old rugs are totally worthless. This is a good rug. It's worth $1,500 right now but it'll be worth a lot more in the future. So when you get back to your shop, price it so it will not sell. I got back to Dallas and the rug was rolled up and over at the side of the wall. A man came in to look at jewelry. He said, what is that? And I said, oh, that's a Navajo rug I just brought back. He said, well, let me see it. And I said, oh, you wouldn't like that. He said, well, let me see it. So I rolled it out on, opened it up on the floor. He said, how much is it? And I said, $5,000. And he said, I'll take it. I was horrified. I was an honest business person. I had a policy of protecting my customers. I didn't overprice anything. It was a good buy when they bought it from me. I begged him not to buy that rug. I literally begged him. He wrote out the check and wouldn't listen to me. And I said to him, all right, I'll sell you this rug. But what I'll do is this. I will not cash your check for one week. You take this rug, have it appraised, do anything you want to with the rug. And if you decide you do not want it for any reason, Bring it back to me, and I will hand you your check back. I won't cash your check. I never saw the man again. In one week's time, I deposited the $5,000, added another 1000 to that money, and paid off the woman from whom I had borrowed $6,000. I was debt-free. From that time in the early 19, in the mid-1970s until now, I have lived debt-free. No mortgages, no car payments, debt-free. That has been the way of life that I have felt God showed me to live. In your case, you're going to have to pray. But I can tell you, we are in a strange period of time that none of us have ever seen before. I think we are close to the end where Jesus returns. That's just my thinking. I can't tell you God has said that to me, but the signs of the leaves on the tree surely look like that. 
for the wickedness has increased in the world dramatically. If you compare 1940 to today, you see a different world concerning wickedness. In 1940, there were the same evils that we have today, but they weren't blatantly displayed in front of everyone for them to see the evils. Today, it's like they're proud of what they're doing when it's evil. And it's blatantly shown on television. When we turn on our television sets, even when we're careful about what we are seeing, commercials will pop up with almost naked women in them, showing a way of life that we hate. So I know the wickedness is much greater now than it was even a decade or two ago. With the increase of wickedness, we are shown the pending arrival of Jesus. Also, two things had to happen before Jesus can return. Antichrist had to move into the churches. We've seen that big time. And we see that big time today. The second thing that had to happen, the gospel preached all over the world. Well, with all of the internet and the resources we have today, I think it is preached everywhere. After these things, Jesus could return. Do you really want to be living in debt? Do you want to leave this earth owing people? I think that would be a terrible thing. I'm not even sure you'd be taken off the earth if Jesus returned right now because of debt. Because you think he's going to take you off the earth and let you take advantage of that business person? It doesn't seem right to me. If I were you, I'd get out of debt. I would do what I had to do to get out of debt. If I had to sell that house and get a smaller house, I would do it. Pray, asking God how you can get out of debt and trusting him to show you what you can do to get out of debt. But certainly don't continue to add to your debt. I think one of the great heritages I received from my parents is this. They didn't go in debt. My dad was a mechanic. My mother was a housewife. They bought only what they could afford to pay for. We lived a simple life. Things were much less complex in those days. I was a child during World War II. I'm, I was born in 1937. So I was a young child during World War II. We didn't have all the things that you have today, the televisions, the computers, all of the game things, the expensive cars. We didn't have that in those days. In our little village, we only had radio. We had no telephones. And that's how I was raised. So I think I was fortunate. The way of life, I believe, was much closer to the Bible in those days, though my parents did not go to church, and we had no Bible till much later. Both of my parents were born again before they died. It's absolutely wonderful to think about it. But we didn't have all the things that are there now. 
Certainly you need some of the things. But there may be some other way to go about this than you're planning. You certainly want to be sure that it's God leading you if you're doing something. That's the most important thing. Has God told me to do this? In the year 2018, I had a nice house in Texas. I lived alone. It was a large house. There was no debt, no mortgage. I had no debt. I fell at that house and had to be taken to the hospital by ambulance. As the workers rolled me past the front door, I heard from the Holy Spirit, you will never see this house again. I believe that. It didn't trouble me. I didn't know if I would die or if I would be moving to another location. For some time, I had wanted to live in a smaller house. And I felt the time was coming when I couldn't live alone. So that was already in my heart when I heard this word. You'll never see this house again. The fall was pretty bad. I had to have an operation and a very serious problem of rebuilding my left wrist, a broken hip, things like that. They put me in a rehabilitation hospital for two and a half months in Texas. During that time, I put the house up for sale. One of our church members was living in Lubbock, where I lived. And she saw me put the house up for sale, and she said, I don't see how you can do this. And I said to her, well, I've heard from God, I'll never see this house again. So I put it up for sale. During that period of time, God worked out circumstances in my life where I moved to Colorado Springs to live with another person who's a church, a member of the body of Christ, Pam Padgett. I lived in her house. I still live in her house. And I have my own bedroom and my own bath. And I just love it. All of my things are in one room, just like I wanted it to be. So, logically, I would have more money right now because I didn't have to keep all of the all of the upkeep for the large house I had in Texas. It was I wouldn't have that. Now I had to keep the property up by utilities on. I had to keep the utilities on. I had to keep the lawn watered and I had to pay to have the lawn mowed and I had to do any upkeep during that time concerning the house. So there was always money going out. I was always praying for that house to sell. A year and a half passed and the house did not sell. In the middle at the first, rather, of the virus problem in the United States, it surfaced so strongly in March 2020. I turned to God and said to him, is there anything you want me to do about that house in Texas? It was a drain. It was just a constant outgoing of money every month. 
I didn't go in debt over it, but it was still pushing me financially to pay and the upkeep on the house and maintain a financial balance. So I prayed, is there anything you want me to do about that house in Texas? Instantly, the Holy Spirit brought me a concept of something to do. Put a special price on the house for one week and lower the price of the house for one week only. So I called my realtor and told her that. The house sold in two days. It didn't close for a couple of months, but it did finally close May 15th, 2020. And we had the money for the house in Texas. So of course, financially, everything improved. We no longer had the drain of $1,000 or so per month to keep up the house that was not being used in Texas. Someone wanted to rent the house along the way, but I'm a minister, an ordained minister. That house was ministry property. It was tax deductible. I wasn't sure that we could keep it tax deductible if I rented it, so I did not rent it. I just kept praying for it to sell, which it did. And everything financially improved when the house sold. There are times that you need more money. There are times you need less money. God is the answer at all times on what to do. Even when you have money, what do you want me to do with this? Following God is the only safe way that we can live. You have to be able to do it in faith. You have to be able to hear from God, to know what he wants you to do. You have to understand and recognize the ideas that come from God. You have to keep your heart free from various sins and strife and envy. But you can do it if you turn to God in faith. And keep scripture before you. That's very helpful. This is Joan Boney speaking. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.